These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Hey, this is Brother Bill, and you're listening to the Wandering Buffalo Podcast with your hosts, Andrew and Justin. Go Bills! Bills Mafia, welcome into another episode of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, a show on the built-in Buffalo Network. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Pretty much anywhere you search up The Wandering Buffalo, you can find me uh, and my co-host Andrew. Um, He has the night off, got stuck at work a little bit late. Um, Still wanted to bring you an episode this week, so I will be riding solo today. Um, Just wanted to kind of start off talking about a little Bills-related news. Um, This time of the year is where we start getting into the the first slow spot of the the offseason, right? Um, we're not quite to, you know, the tampering period, um, free agency hasn't fired up yet. Um, so we, we take these little tidbits of, you know, coaching news and things as we go. And, um, this one came out today. It was, uh, reported that the Buffalo Bills linebacker coach, um, Bob Babich, um, has, is going to be retiring, um, Nothing official here, but it looks like he's going to be retiring. And his actually his son, uh, Bobby Babich, um, who is currently the team's safeties coach, is going to be taking over that responsibilities. And, hey, I'll tell you what, I don't know a ton about Bobby, um, but if he has anything to do with, with the way those safeties have been playing together, uh, over the last couple of years, uh, I'm all for it. Um, you you kind of look at the Bills' linebacking core, and we have you know Matt Milano obviously uh, was a converted safety, kind of that roaming the field space linebacker, and then you have uh, just that athletic freak in Tremaine Edmonds, and you know it, it kind of brings me to the first thing I want to talk about tonight, and that's just kind of this continuous but also new direction of the Bills um, as far as the coaching staff goes. And this to me is something that we've kind of been talking about for a couple of years. Um, When your team starts having success and a guy like Brian Dable, a guy like Leslie Frazier are, are turning in these top units in the league and, you know, we're making some noise in the playoffs and making championship games. It's a natural trend in the league for, for these guys to get different opportunities. And I've talked about it on the show a couple times of kind of the mark of a good to great franchise is when you get to those, those points in the road, uh, how you adjust to that, how you build from that going forward. And, the Bills have made some some pretty exciting moves, in my opinion, this offseason. Um, 
And I think kind of where the coaching staff sits as of now, um, we have a, just a good blend of some youth and some experience. And we have some guys that were brought in from outside. We have other guys that were promoted from within. And, you know, there's something to be said for the continuity. And specifically here, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, Ken Dorsey taking the reins as the offensive coordinator. And while I, I think that's great to have, you know, somebody that's been in the building who's been working with these players, um, kind of seeing the, the day-to-day of what they're doing. Um, but then also, you know, there's the, the issue of he hasn't been a play caller. So you bring in Joe Brady, you know, another younger guy from outside of the organization. And, you know, it, it's still a guy that has called plays, so somebody to bounce ideas off of. Um, so I, I think that kind of the the changes that they're making due to, you know, spots being open, um, it's not just this attack at getting all these young hotshot next guy names in there. Um, there, to me, is a good blend of of having that experience and having some some youthfulness. Um, one of the guys that they did bring in, um, he's a little bit older. I, I believe he's fifty four. Is Aaron Cromer, and you know, has been discussed here, but I think that's something that really excites me to to get a fresh set of eyes on Um, because Bobby Johnson was always a coach that you know I felt he was a pretty good coach I I had respect for him Um, but then we're kind of looking at the beginning of this past season and how much our line was struggling and yes towards the tail end of the season they were coming along Um, but I, I don't think that it hurts in some of these spots to get a fresh set of eyes on it and and kind of be able to dial dial up some different things. And, you know, we're looking, for me, I'm looking at a guy like Cody Ford and, you know, we, we have the Wyatt Teller example that will always be in our back pocket of, you know, was it kind of coaching or did he just take a little bit longer to develop? And we'll never really know what the answer is there. Um, but having some young pieces in in the locker room on that offensive line right now, I'm I'm intrigued to see what he does with, you know, some of the steady starters talking, uh, Mitch Morris, Deion Dawkins, but also, you know, what kind of second year leap can we can we look for out of Spencer Brown? You know, I'm I'm guessing that, you know, while the line was a little bit more stabilized towards the end of the season. We probably look to free agency in the draft to add a couple more pieces in particular, you know, on that interior offensive line where we had some struggles. And I think there's going to be a a lot of question marks along that offensive line. Um, We're talking, you know, we do have um, free agents in Ike Botker and uh, Ryan Bates. I imagine they try to keep both of them around, but we're also kind of looking at um, Ike Botker being an unrestricted free agent. So, you know, does somebody swoop in and and try to get him off the team? Looking at you, New York Giants, you know, they have familiarity with the player. um, uh, Pretty suspect offensive line. And, you know, that might be the kind of player that they look to to be like, you know, he might not be all pro every year, but... We know he's a steady presence there, so 
just kick the tires on that and kind of have him be the stopgap while I figure out the rest of it. Uh, I imagine Ryan Bates is back. Um, but then I also look at a guy like Daryl Williams. You know, we we extended him to to be that right tackle, and, you know, he kicks inside and plays pretty well at guard. And, you know, contract-wise, I don't think he's paid horribly unreasonably to, to be a starting guard in the NFL. Um, but there's also some options built in into his contract of, you know, if we're looking to save some money and we think that we can get, you know, some cheaper talent in there, maybe somebody younger through the draft, um, that could be an option. So I know I kind of I kind of started off here talking about the coaches, and uh, I'm kind of on the offensive line now. But I I think a lot of the coaching changes are going to be kind of make your own little tweaks and all the infrastructure is kind of in place to to run back what we did last year. And I think the offensive line is going to be an area where we might see a little bit more change than we expect. Uh, I don't expect Feliciano back. Um, there's there's this constant like kind of quiet chatter of, you know, Mitch Morse being a, a big cap hit and do we let him go? Personally, I am, I'd be more in favor of moving some money around and extending Mitch a couple of years. I think he's a little bit underrated at the center position considering kind of the, the idea of the line having to play as one unit and having these rotating pieces next to him. And, you know, Ike Botker gets shuffled into the game and Cody Ford is in there next to him. And I just, I feel like with continuity with, just slightly better play at the guard positions. Mitch Morris is still a, a very adequate center. Um, so it's kind of my thoughts on the offensive line. Uh, we also had um, Matthew Smiley be promoted to the special teams coordinator. And this is a move that kind of, I don't know where I land on it. Um, overall, I feel like the Bills for the past several seasons, uh, which he was, you know, a part of the coaching staff for, I feel like overall the special teams has been pretty good. And we get to a year like this past season. And I guess I ultimately don't know how much I can blame the coaching staff. And I know we, we can bring up, you know, the last 13 seconds of the Kansas city game. And that one's still fresh with us. But overall, for the body of work of the season, I I feel like we've had we had a lot of gaffes in the return games. Um, but I don't know how much I I put that on coaching versus the players going out and executing. Um, I think I think there is definitely the benefit of having Andre Roberts doing the punt and kick return duties and his decision making and kind of leaving his explosive playability out of it. Um, because I think we had a couple guys back there this year in McKenzie and Stevenson that, you know, had that explosive play potential. But it, it's the the little nuances of making sure you're protecting the ball and fielding punts cleanly and all that. And I feel like the biggest mistakes that we saw in special teams were more of 
poor decision making on the field and and errors there and I I can't put that too much on the coaching staff um I do think the special teams has also benefited from the Bills as an organization making a conscious effort to have some of those guys that are special teams aces um you know we're talking Taiwan Jones Tyler Medikevich um some of the players like that and I think that will be another interesting thing to look at this off season of you know some of those some of those guys are are we going to re, <clears throat> rework money um we just have a lot of money invested into the special teams so you know was that was the success that the special teams was having a product of just having those players or good coaching or kind of a combination of the two and I feel like I would land in that category and for the most part if you take away some of the the fielding and ball security errors on the team which again I have a hard time attributing just to to coaching uh, I think if you just put somebody back there that's more sure-handed um, like we saw Micah Hyde doing in the playoffs I think we feel a lot differently about the special teams this year. And no, I don't want our our plan in the future to be uh, Micah Hyde returning kicks because we trust his hands back there. Um, but I think that's a position that we we kind of were looking a lot looking at a lot last off season, and we brought in players like Lance Lenore, just kind of trying to cover that that specific position and I think that's you know we talk about all the needs going into free agency in the draft and we can talk about cornerback we can talk offensive line we can talk defensive end defensive tackle we have all of these needs that that exist but I think something that kind of goes underrated and and something that we don't talk about enough is whether it's one player or two, that the kick returning and uh, punt returning duties. And I think that that's a major thing that we have to look at this offseason and, and see how that shakes out. Um, but overall, pretty excited with the direction of, of the coaching staff. Um, obviously, you know, it's with having, with having the playoff loss still in our minds and kind of seemingly being not only the last 13 seconds, but some questionable coaching decisions along the way. It's kind of weird to sit in this chair right now and look at small retoolings of the coaching staff and and feel this confidence. And I think there are still question marks, but overall I I really like the the blend that they've put together of experience and youth and kind of trying to get these next up and coming guys that will will likely take you know maybe we see Dorsey taking a head coaching job in three four years and if he has success with Josh Allen like Dayball did and and this is kind of the start of that Sean McDermott coaching tree and you know we always talk about drafting and developing players and I, I think this kind of goes hand in hand with you know you're not drafting the coaches, but bringing in that young talent and surrounding them with some veterans, just like you would do on the football field, 
and really grooming these these coaches to be the best versions of themselves like they're doing with the players. Um, so I'm going to take a quick break. Uh, if you've been tuning in, you know we're doing the uh, 13 Reasons Why series, um, 13 Reasons to be Excited for Next Season. So we're going to take a quick break, and I'll jump back in with that for you. Hey, this is Bill Vader. Now back to the show. Welcome back into this episode of the Wandering Buffalo podcast, show on the Built-in Buffalo Network. I want to thank everybody for joining me tonight. Again, my name is Justin. I am your host tonight. Um, my partner in crime, Andrew, has the night off. Um, just want to jump back in and and get into our our segment here that we've been doing weekly. And it's our 13 reasons why to be excited for the next season. Um, so we've gone back and forth. Um, Andrew talked last week about um, health overall being a reason to be excited um, for this team and just kind of wanted to echo his statements there. I feel like the organization as a whole, um, they really reinvested into the training and rehab facilities and, you know, there's a ton of luck that goes into the health of a football team. Um, But I think there's also, you know, kind of the science backing it up. And I don't think it's, a real mistake, and again, obviously we had the the Trey White ACL this year, but I I don't think it's a mistake that we haven't seen a ton of injuries like that and just rashes of injuries. It, usually, as we're getting you know kind of halfway through the season, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised to kind of look at our injury report for the week, and you know we see two three guys on there. There's the veteran rest. Um, but kind of since we've reinvested into this this health and wellness aspect of the team, I think I think we've been doing a really good job of um, not only kind of limiting injuries, but as they do pop up. Um, and I know Andrew mentioned this last week, kind of the the bringing players along at at a healthier pace for them, so we're not seeing re injuries. Um, so for this week, I. I have one here that I debated for a while, and I decided to go with it. I feel free to hit us up on social media, leave a comment on the video uh, if you disagree with me. Um, but one of the reasons I'm excited for the team next year is the defensive line. And I kind of want to get into this with with the asterisk of, this kind of being a position where I could be very right or I could be very wrong. And I think there's a lot of pieces in play here that we just don't quite know about yet. And I'm kind of betting on progressions, which which I know is not something you always want to do. Um, but just looking at kind of some of the opportunities that we have there and some of the contracts that are up and just the opportunities that we're going to have to to try something different. Um, so one of the first guys I want to talk about is AJ Epinesa. And he's coming into that, that third year um, of a player that is kind of a guy that was a little rough around the edges, but we... 
we bet on the physical tools and the coaching staff and who the player is as a person. And we've seen year three be such a big year for so many of these players that we've brought in. And, you know, we're talking Josh Allen, um, Dawson Knox, Ed Oliver came on this year, um, Taron Johnson. I mean, the, the list kind of goes on and on of these players that, you know, looked a little rough in their first couple of years and then just kind of burst onto the scene. And I think AJ Epinesa is kind of next in line to do that. And we saw flashes of it this past season. And I know we can specifically talk about um, the game he played against the Dolphins where he was just all over the place. Um, for me, this past season, there there wasn't enough of the consistency. Um, but if you can even get 10, 15% more of those flash plays, um, I think kind of with the progression of some of the other players um, and the fact that we like to run this rotation, that he could be a very effective player. Um, and then opposite of him, kind of looking the youth aspect, um, Greg Rousseau. Um, it was a pick in the draft last year that I was kind of I was kind of back and forth on. And what I didn't really expect to see out of Greg Rousseau year one was kind of that that high floor of being a run defender. And I think you know, not always having the splashiest plays and you know, uh rookie year double digit sack numbers, you know. I think he was quietly sneaky good for his rookie season. And we're talking a guy that had transitioned over to the position in college. Uh, One-year starter. He took he took the 2020 year off for COVID and kind of was coming into his rookie year being the first football that he's played in two years. Um, so I was kind of expecting him to be more on the – the AJ Epinesa rookie year, you know, kind of letting him dip his toes into the water. And he was, he was thrust into a a pretty considerable uh, workload this year. And I think there's definitely some room for improvement, but I think that the floor that we saw from him, it's, it's an average starting NFL defensive end. Um, but if he can keep working towards that ceiling, we, we might have really got somebody there. Um, talk about some of the other DNs. Um, this is where some of the questions and opportunities come up for me. Um, when you look at uh, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, you know, will one of them be back? Will they both be gone? Um, I'm kind of leaning towards one of the two stays and in my heart, it's got to be Jerry Hughes, right? You know, the longest tenured bill. Um, Anybody who's been sticking around for his whole career throughout Buffalo knows, you know, the Jerry Hughes we had at the beginning of the career. He was, you know, taking bad penalties. He was a hothead. Uh, But when when you look at his career with the Bills overall, he really turned into a very good player for us. He turned into just a great leader. And, you know, in particular for 
for being a player that we traded Kelvin Shepard for. Um, Kelvin Shepard, he's already out of the league, and uh, I believe he has a linebacking coach in Detroit, uh, a linebacking coaching job in Detroit. Um, So just kind of that longevity in the career that he was able to put together with the Bills, um, he's definitely a guy that if we could rework the contract a little bit, maybe give him a couple of years. He He's still a pretty effect, um, effective pass rusher, not necessarily getting the numbers in the sacks, but uh, the pressure that he he can bring after the quarterback to force them into decisions and maybe flush them into some of these other players that are blossoming, um, thinking Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, I think he still has value to the team. And then Mario Addison, who was a guy that honestly I, I wasn't too keen around too keen on having around when we were talking about this last offseason um, but what do I know he ends up leading the team in sacks and um, kind of took on that that veteran mentor job and you know really working with these young guys um, so I mean it if you can work out the money and and it makes sense, I'm I'm really okay with one or both of them coming back at kind of a team friendly deal. They're both up there in age. Jerry Hughes, I personally want to see retire with the Bills, um, so I th- I think it'll be interesting to see what shakes out there. Um, the interior of the defensive line, I guess this is where I would say we have some some needs to address. Um, but also looking at, you know, Star Latulale, who, if he didn't get the massive contract that he got to come to Buffalo, I think we might all be a little bit more okay with that. Um, but in particular with, with him, um, having the opt out year and that kind of not affecting contract status, it's kind of just another year where it kind of hurts us to get rid of him. Um, so I think he probably sticks around and in a reduced role, eh, fine, I guess. Um, but I think the guy that excites me here is Harrison Phillips, who I absolutely loved when we took Harrison Phillips in the draft. And not just who he is as a player, um, but who he is off the field. Um, just Walter Payton, uh, man of the year nominee finalist um, more than once and just a seemingly great teammate just an overall hard worker and just battled some rough injuries and and kind of getting right on the field and in my opinion towards towards the end of this and I guess it happened on the field too we saw him kind of eating away into stars into star snaps and playing well as not just, you know, that one tech, but he was he was really able to push the pocket. He was getting after the quarterback, kind of collapsing the pocket. And the next guy I want to talk about, uh, Ed Oliver, they, they seem to really work well in tandem together. Um, he's going to be, um, Harrison Phillips will be an interesting one because he, his contract is, is up. So, um, does he stick around? What what does he cost on the market? 
remains to be seen, but I I think towards the end of the season he was really coming on strong and the way that he was able to to play next to Ed Oliver um, really seemed to open things up and and Ed Oliver really flourished throughout the full season. He had he had flashes, but I can't even count how many times we sat on this sat in on the show after the game. We're kind of like, man, it's not it's not really in the stat sheet, but Ed Oliver was playing on fire again today. And I think that's I think that's kind of what you get out of Ed Oliver. And yes, I do think that we have I think we have seasons of Ed Oliver coming up where we might see like the eight to ten sack range, um, where where he's just able to play a little bit more consistent with consistency next to him. Um, but everything we were able to see from him at the end of the season. Uh, he was a guy that we had talked about that that we really need to see more from, and and I think towards the end of the season he really started showing that, and we sprinkle some other guys in here, um, F.A. Obata. I he he was injured, he was inactive, um, but in the snaps that he did get, I I kind of like what he shows as a rotation piece, and. There's a lot of talk about, you know, will some of these defensive ends kind of reduce down to D tackle for pass rushing situations. And I think we saw that the most from him. And overall in his limited snaps, I would say I'm pretty pleased with him and I'd, I'd be glad to have him back. Um, Boogie Basham, interesting case to me because he, he got more of that AJ Epinesa treatment that I was expecting for for Greg Rousseau this year, and uh, he's again a, a player that, you know, he had his weeks that he was inactive. He had weeks where he didn't really do much, but there was also there's also some times where he was he was kind of popping off the screen, and I think of the idea of both him and Greg Rousseau and their pass pass rushing style, not necessarily just being like straight up beat you with with speed and pass rush moves um but they're that kind of like you get the quarterback two three seconds in the pocket and they're just still grinding on your offensive linemen and they work from whistle to whistle every play um so so basham is somebody i'm i'm excited to see um kind of with more snaps um another off season of work um how these players get coached up and you know if we do lose a Mario Addison or a Jerry Hughes um those snaps got to go to somebody and and with the extra workload for Epinesa, Basham, Russo like what what do we see these players start developing into um Vernon Butler he can go um I know we he's kind of a guy that we bet on his draft pedigree, and maybe we can be the ones to resurrect his career. Um, you're paying him a real contract, and seeing him inactive, um, I feel like it's the Trent Murphy move all over again. And I kind of, I, I always kind of get the idea on paper because Brandon Bean likes to fill out his his 
his roster before he goes into the draft. Um, so you're not just chasing need. Um, so I, I understand the process, but I feel like it also has the ability to rope us into some suspect contracts that we have to deal with down the road. And then one of the the other thing that I'm optimistic and hopeful with in this group is Brandon Bean has made a commitment to the trenches on both sides of the ball year after year. And while we can look at the offensive line and kind of by the end of the year feel like we had something clicking there, um, I don't think he's satisfied with the with the defensive line as a whole as of right now. Um, so part of my reason for optimism is I don't think he's done there yet. And I don't think this is a spot where we see you know, some big marquee free agent come in, you know, the, the Twitter sphere goes crazy for like, oh, let's make a move for this year. It's Chandler Jones, Hassan Reddick, uh, Von Miller. Uh, last year it was JJ Watt. I don't think, I don't think we have the cap room to, to want to be making the swing at the plate like that. Um, I think you could free up the cap if you wanted to, to try to make a move like that, but it, it also hampers everything else you can do. Um, so I, I think this is going to be a spot where we see them draft defensive line again. Um, we might see a D tackle go. We might see more DNs get brought in. I, I think this is definitely a position that a, a set of positions that Brandon Bean isn't done with addressing yet. And when, when you have some of the glaring weaknesses that we have um, along that defensive line and you're still able to have the number one defense in the league, I think the fact that that position is still on Brandon Bean's radar and that's one of the areas that he's really focused on and committed into making better, I don't think he's going to stop until he gets there and if you can add a legitimate top flight pass rush to this defense, to me it's just awesome and scary to think about what this defense can do as a total unit if you have that bona fide defensive line on the front end. Um, So that's my reason to be excited this week. Uh, That's going to wrap it up for tonight's show. Um, Thank you again for joining. Um, Again, we are a show on the Built in Buffalo Network. Um, You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere that you're listening to this. Um, You can find more content from us. Um, Our show comes out every Monday, um, but Built in Buffalo as a network, we got shows seven days a week. Um, So if you tuned into this show, it wasn't your cup of tea, check out one of the other shows. I guarantee you we got something there that you'd be into. Uh, If you ever want to hit us up, we're always looking for guests on the show. Um, You can message me on any social media. You can find me at jgods22. You can find my partner in crime, Andrew. Um, He's on social medias at 2changs. Again, that's going to do it for us tonight. And as always, go Bills! Go Bills!